1: The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919.
2: That's the one. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
0: Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show grinding on into 2019 in spite of frankly astonishing public demand. My name is Adam Bayford and I'll be your host tonight and joining me in the studio is one of Time Magazine's top 100 cricket podcast pundits to watch in 2019. It's Tony Kerr. Hey. Happy New Year Tony. And to you. Let me be the first to say Happy New Year. How are you doing?
2: Well I'm good except I've got uh, a really bad heartburn. I've just eaten, well, in the knowledge that you were coming around and I was going to you know, have to be chat nonsense for an hour and a half, uh, wolfed down a massive slab of turkey, not leftover still from Christmas, but a, you know, sort of a spare bit of turkey that was cooked by a relative, by my mum. It needed to be eaten. By a I, relative. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it needed to be eaten. I duly obliged, but I ate it too quickly alongside some chips. you didn't tell me that bit and uh and a few other you know items of dessert which yeah anyway i'm paying the price for now so
0: you refuse to believe refuse to accept that christmas is over we i turned up came in through the door you left the door open walked in i was like you right mate and you went oh not so good (laughs) lying on the floor (laughs) i've had too much turkey it's January the 9th, Tone. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, a good friend of the show uh, sort of sold me the concept of zero week the other day, whereby when you're sort of starting a new regime or you're, you know, you whatever, you're kind of, you're, you're, you've you resolved to, to make some changes that you have a sort of zero week, a first week where you kind of feel your way in. Right. But maybe don't put yourself, you know, there's no, that's not the actual start. The start is week. Yeah, the second week—that's week one. Yeah,
0: so it's like the first few paces at the start of a boulder's run-up, where he just he walks those few paces exactly, just getting getting
2: to grips with the idea of of the run-up, but not actually doing the run-up. So anyway, that that's my zero week. Is uh, well, should technically have come to an end a couple of days ago, but <laughs> I've also been just a little bit groggy, a little bit ill.
0: How does this fit into zero week though? Surely, surely that—that's
2: well, was... what I'm saying. though, but because I've 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 been slightly ill, I haven't really then been able to make the, you know, make the transition from zero to week one yet. So it's like, an, it's like a zero-ten week. Right. Zero-ten <laughs> day week.
0: But also, even if this was zero week, so in your mind, zero week means you eat an enormous of slab same. of turkey. <laughs> it's just more of the same. Unless this is you building up to eating, say, two enormous slabs of turkey from week one.
2: No. So zero week for me is like, you know, a few days of being good, but then a couple of blips. Right. rather than just non-stop blips, just <laughs> like, a, like sort of a a dial tone
0: of gluttony. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, my, my the question I had written down here was, you know, uh, under the heading, Happy New Year, <laughs> was, uh, is 2019 going to be the year that you finally sort your life out? Well, yeah, elements, yeah. Apparently not off to a great start. Yeah. A little bird told me that you got a book for Christmas. I say a little bit. your girlfriend told me that yeah. she was going to buy you a book for Christmas. Have you read it yet?
2: Well no cuz I'm saving it. We're going away, aren't we? We'll more on this in the next couple of weeks I guess. Or <laughs> yes. this is more. But we're going on holiday together, aren't we? And uh it, it's a sort of holiday that would require me to, to probably bring a book and read it, so saving it for then.
0: I see. Yeah. Y- you couldn't possibly, you know, read another book <laughs> on holiday. You know, read read <laughs> yeah. this one now and then take another book. You can only read one book a year. I, yeah, I don't
2: I just don't know where I'd find time at the moment. It's busy, Adam. It's a busy start to the year.
0: Yeah, you have to put a lot of time aside in your diary for lying on the floor trying to digest turkey. It's a demanding side project. Uh, well, it sounds like you're, uh, you've got some good New Year's resolutions that you're really sticking to so far. One of my New Year's resolutions, Stan, is to talk to you about cricket. You look really worried then when I said talk to you because I pointed at you <laughs> as I said talk to yeah. you. Your face went white, worried what you might have done. No, I'm sure we can stick to that one.
2: Mm. Oh, all this news, I don't know, again, you know, I've said it before about, like, there's too many days. There's too many things that we're expected to do now, aren't we, as people, like, have resolutions and stuff. Yeah. Have you got... I thought you had
0: a point there. Yeah, about just,
2: you know don't, just don't put pressure on me, Adam, <laughs> to have a resolution and stick to Just kind it. of spitballing this ideas. is what my girlfriend is, uh, keeps doing. Like, so, like, you know, yes, after Christmas, I was feeling a little bit weary after New Year. Uh, you know, a bit tired of, of sort of, you know, drinking and eating and all that, you know, the rest of it. Uh But then it was a friend's birthday a week into, or last weekend, so a week into uh, the new year. And I hadn't drunk, I'd eaten pretty well for the week. But then I, uh yeah, I had a bit of steak, I had a, you know, a few glasses of wine, a few beers. And she was like, you know, I thought we were doing dry January. Like, you know, what are, what are you doing? Uh Kind of berating me for that. And it's just assumption. I thought like, I never said I was going to do dry January. I said, I would like, you know, I would take my foot off the gas uh but it's just like this assumption that you sort of i don't know people it's the same at work like everyone's kind of signed up to stuff that they haven't really ever agreed to you just know, it's just so sort of personal you're just using the podcast now <laughs> yeah, to rant,
0: complain about your girlfriend yeah well
2: i know she won't be listening so. <laughs> so it's a good therapy i
0: like the idea that you're kind of justifying it by being like you
2: know it's it's january the <laughs> fifth love come on we And then, yeah, you've come in here, you point your finger, (laughs) telling me what I should have resolved to do or not. Give me a break, mate. I have been jabbing my finger at you,
0: (laughs) accusing you All the time. Slamming your fist on the table. Accusing you of not reading enough books. Um, Well, yeah, the only thing that I need to do in my life this year uh, is talk to you about cricket. In all other aspects, you know, I don't need to make any resolutions. My life's pretty perfect, as it is, Tone, as you know. Um, but, you know, I just want to, I, I, and I, I already do talk to you about cricket, to be fair, but I just we'll do want do more. more of the same. Yeah, you're an ambitious lad, you know. you want <laughs> My New Year's resolution for 2019, more of the same. Uh, well, we've got a lot of cricket to talk about tonight. There have been some historic events in Australia, uh, so we'll be having a chat about that. Some other test series to catch up on as well. Uh, and there's a new Knight of the Realm tone that we need to pay our respects to. <laughs> That we are uh, obliged to pay our respects to. Um, So, yeah, plenty to be getting on with. Shall we crack into it? Yeah. I'm just going to have a sip of water.
2: (laughs) You've spilled more than one glass of water in your time in this room. And just the way you reached back, you weren't looking. You just (laughs) like, your arm just stretched behind the chair. And it's kind of sort of like a guy, someone like fumbling around in the bag for a set of keys I did re- <laughs> it
0: made me nervous did reach back very confidently also the the <laughs> box of podcast equipment the famous box of podcast equipment is sat right next to me open which is a dangerous yeah a dangerous business when i'm swinging my arm around with a glass of water yeah you, it's probably not a surprise that i've spilled more than one glass of water in here when i keep the glass of water behind my chair <laughs> so i have to reach back for it uh well anyway let's get on with it show how's that turkey sitting it's go- it's going down i think <laughs> You do seem a bit chirpier than when I first. Yeah,
2: arrived. I'm starting to come
0: to terms with the heartburn. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had heartburn before. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Yeah, maybe. Did you? Well, maybe the problem was that you didn't wash it down with a frozen Kit Kat or a Yazoo, which is yeah, maybe, get some
2: milk on there.
0: That's normally your. Uh, that's normally the way you play things. Your stomach's not used to the absence of Yazoo. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick things off, Tone Down Under. Uh, where, as I say, history was made this week. India won a Test Series in Australia for the first time ever. They've been coming to Australia since 1947. That was their first tour, uh, just shortly after independence. And they've always left empty-handed until now. When last we spoke to him, just before Christmas, they had gone 1-0 up in the Series after winning the first Test in Adelaide. We've had three Test matches since then. I'm not going to go through them all ball by ball, uh, but a, a quick recap... The second test was in Perth and Australia won that game to level things up. Despite a first innings 100 from Virat Kohli, Nathan Lyon led the way as India were bowled out for 140 in their chase of 287. So what a prospect we had for the Boxing Day test with the series on a knife edge at one all. You wonder, or at least I've wondered if perhaps Australia might start to assert themselves a bit more and, and, and make the most of home conditions, uh, but it turned out to be a glorious occasion for India, that Boxing Day test. Another 100 from Chiteshwar Pajara set up a big first-inning score, and then Jasprit Bumrah decimated the Aussies with 6 for 33. They were bowled out for 151, and there was only one winner from that point. India eventually wrapping things up by 137 runs. So they couldn't lose the series after that, but Australia were obviously desperate to salvage a drawn series in Sydney. Uh, But from the moment that Cody won the toss, it began to slip away another huge 100 from Pajara 193 this time and a century from Rishabh Pant as well saw India through to a colossal 622 for 7 declared and though rain on the final day prevented uh, prevented them from pushing on for victory and you know sort of muted the uh, the occasion a little bit it didn't matter in the final analysis the series was won and and India celebrated what was as i say a historic achievement they've come close before uh, notably in 2004, when they drew the series, and in 2008, which in, what, in what was a, a, an epic series then as well. Uh, but they've never won, uh, and for the most part, they've got absolutely whooped, as you would say, including on the last two tours. Despite that, you claimed, Tone, on the last pod, uh, to have been expecting India <laughs> to win this series. So presumably you weren't surprised by the way this has panned out.
2: No, not at all. Uh, it's just a shame we didn't record, you know...
0: A sort of pod, full pod before the series. Mm. Uh, I think we should do all our previews after the series is well underway. It would make things much easier.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot easier to predict things that have already happened, (laughs) uh, I find. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't say I expected it, but although I might have said that on the last pod, (laughs) uh, but certainly, you know, this you'd have to say on paper looked like their best chance, uh, if not ever, but yeah, they looked like they had a very good chance of uh of winning the series you know obviously the the, the pace attack that has been the you know the sort of source of so much dis- discussion and praise uh you know after the series and during the series you know that didn't kind of that hasn't emerged sort of unexpectedly in the weeks before the series started so you know it looked like India were going there with the tools to to get rid of you know what is a really what's the word Not shoddy but uh fragile um, yeah fragile unstable Australia batting lineup yeah, and then at the other end, you know obviously Coley, you know in Coley they've, they, you know they've got someone who is you know ready to to score the runs necessary and to lead the team in the way that you know with a, with a sort of that sense of kind of determination and pride which would pull a result like this off. yeah, you know Pajara in the end was the star of the show with the bat wasn't he but uh, but yeah you know they, they looked like they had to tool, the tools to do it. And, you know would have had the tools potentially to compete with some of the better Australian teams of the last you know couple of decades, but yeah, when you look at that australian team and and the, the you know the problems that they've had and that's not to take anything away from india it, it, a hugely impressive result again, as you said, historic, so australia not an easy place for any team to win, and even in the the sort of tumultuous years post the great Australian sides. They've still won. Uh, they've still had a great record mm. at home. You know, yeah. obviously England got wiped last time. Whooped. Uh, whooped. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, full credit to, to India, but this was a good chance and they took it.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question actually, uh, what you're saying <laughs> a while ago now. Um, would this India side have beaten some of the Australian teams from the recent past? You know, would they have beaten the Ricky Ponting team would they have beaten the Michael Clarke team? Would they have beaten the Steve Smith team from a year ago? Um, it would have actually been really fascinating, and you know we'll come onto this in a bit. But in a way, it, from a neutral point of view, it's although this was a very entertaining series, it is a little bit of a shame that the two you know the the, the, the two sides aren't quite in the same place at the moment. So yes, in, on one level, it, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that India have won the series because if you just look at the two teams on paper. India are obviously the better team, so you know the fact that they've won uh, some cricket matches against a team that they're obviously better than shouldn't be that surprising. Um, you know, obviously, like Australia do still have that formidable bowling attack, but the batting lineup is so fragile, as you say, that that it shouldn't be a shock to anyone. But it is still India going to Australia where they've never won, and and, and as you say, Australia have a, an amazing record at home. Against everybody, I mean, this is what only the the third, so fourth series they've lost at home since 1992, I think. I mean, it, it's and it's only really South Africa, isn't it? Who've yeah. kind of been a bogey team for them at home. England have beaten them that one time, and every other time got whitewashed, basically. Um, and now India have won this series. So, and yes, obviously, this is a very different Australia team to almost all the ones before. But they they've they've usually found the way to win, even in the last few years. And and it's it, ought to be so tough you know it has historically been so tough for India to go there that although yeah as I say on one level it shouldn't be that surprising that they've won I still don't know that we didn't do our preview show but I don't know if I would have called India to win it I might have said a drawn series or something just because it just is so difficult to win in Australia so it is a it's a big moment for India and probably one that it's difficult to uh to overstate. and it's a it's it's a big statement isn't it that that does I think change the conversation about this team a little bit you know we've talked before on the show about how yes they're the number one team in the world but it's hard to actually get a real sense of how good they are it's 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 hard to call them like one of the great teams of the era or something because almost all of their successes come at home you know they had a couple of years ago when they uh, had what was it 13 wins in a row or something at home but they didn't really play much away from home or outside the subcontinent, and when they did, they lost. In the last 12 months now, they've they've been on three massive tours, so this was always going to be a a huge year for them, and it was always going to be you know the, the, the three sort of big litmus tests for for where they are as a team: going to South Africa, going to England, going to Australia. So they lost in South Africa and England, but emerged with some credit from both of those tours and now they've emerged from the the toughest tour of the lot with what is a decisive victory Only 2-1 scoreline but you know they they would have won in sydney but for the rain and it just felt like quite a comfortable win doesn't it and i think it does underline them as probably head and shoulders the best test team in the world at the moment and perhaps you know sets them on the road to becoming like a a legacy team you know the team that you look back on and say that was that was one of the great teams i mean there, there's still a long way to go in that regard but out of all the teams currently playing test cricket india are the only one that you'd say they could potentially sort of dominate and become one of the great teams
2: yeah they're the only team that you look at them and have not only got they've sort of seemed to have it together Mm. Uh, yeah kind of coherent you know the word identity has been used quite a lot but yeah sort of a, a methodology and a and an approach that looks convincing and is working and obviously the the scale and uh the, the the sort of weight of, of Indian cricket, you know, suggests that that they could keep that going for a while and and, and fill the holes as well, you know, you know, perhaps there are other teams that would aspire to have that kind of thing but you know can't mm-hmm. fill the gaps when they, they sort of come up.
0: Yeah, well I mean by all accounts there's some very exciting young cricketers coming through as well. You know, obviously the under nineteen World Cup that they won so comfortably a year or so ago, there's apparently a lot of very young, fast bowlers coming through, uh, Prithvi Shaw, the young batsman who was injured for this tour, that people have you know, set a lot of tongues wagging with how he played against West Indies. So there's a lot of reasons to be very optimistic as an Indian fan at the moment. And they are, you would say, the only team, or we, we just said before, you know, it's an interesting thought experiment about how would they get on against some of the Australian teams of the past. They are, you would say, the only team at the moment that you would think could at least compete Against some of the great teams of the past,
2: you know, it's quite remarkable, isn't it, to to think how yeah you know, how good that Australian or well, obviously we know, but you know, it, it's a sort of testament to how good those Australian sides were. That you know, you look at the, the team, the Indian team of, of that that series in 2003 sort of three four, Sayawag, Dravid, Tendulkar, Latchman, Ganguly. You know, it's a but then this is the key, isn't it? The the, the bowling attack mm. that they had now or have now, it, you know, is outstanding on a world level, not just. Yeah, for an Indian bowling attack.
0: No, that's true. And well, they they did draw that series in yeah two thousand three four. But but yes, you're right. I mean, that's that batting lineup you just made, named could you know that could have been our post Atherton uh, World Eleven on its own, and they were all at their peak at the peak of their powers at that time, and they still couldn't win. Um, but as you say, it is the bowling attack, which we will come on to talk about in just a second. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to overstate the case because this is only one series and it is against quite a weak Australia team, which again we'll talk about in a second. But um, and they just lost four one in England and they lost in South Africa, and so you know this is just this is just a step on the road to becoming a great team. I'm not saying they are uh, sort of historically great team yet, but it you know it's 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 a pretty notable achievement, you'd have to say. What does it do to to Coley's? legacy do you think as I say it kind of sets them on the road to becoming a, a legacy team what, what about Kohli's legacy like how far is is he responsible for this victory would you say he didn't necessarily dominate the series with the bat he did score 100 in Perth but India lost that game um, a couple of other useful innings as well but it wasn't like Kohli's series with the bat but in terms of his captaincy and the way he sort of carries himself and orchestrates the team you know how far is this victory about Kohli
2: I mean, yeah, uh, quite a lot.
0: Uh, yeah, well we've, talk- well, we've
2: obviously spoken about Kohli a fair amount, haven't we, over the last sort of one to seven, eight, nine, ten years? Mm. Uh, how long we've been doing this? Uh, but he does seem to get more impressive, kind of by the series. You know, yeah, both yeah on the playing side, but but sort of more importantly, I guess for for India as a whole, as a kind of captain and leader, he is he speaks so impressively mm. uh yeah in and around it uh the, the, i did the, the bbc sport there was a bbc sport article by suresh menon about him but there was a line that did i did sort of question he says the uh uh you know it's possible that that kohli has a greater influence on this indian team than any of his predecessors had on theirs uh extends to similarities in the manner of wearing facial hair too a strong captain builds a team in his image in india's case this is literally true and I d- I'm not convinced. I don't know. I, I did Google whether I'd missed somewhere down the line that Curly had come out and been like, you know, sort of mandatory beards for uh, for his for his team. Which I I, I don't know. That, that just seems like a giving Curly a bit too much credit.
0: Yeah, and again, as we. have talked about before you know p- people just think coley literally walks on water yeah in the, exactly you know everything he does and it's like oh just the fact that he's got a beard i mean it's just brilliant yeah it's it? almost like he's the first person <laughs> ever to have a beard are you annoyed because you have a beard and people aren't giving you credit for
2: yeah i'm also walking. annoyed about those guys in the you know in the 70s that had beards you know <laughs> uh but but you know th- that being said yeah he he's he sort of he has been hugely impressive it was a really it was, you know, a fun series, wasn't it? There was lots of uh, good chit-chat, mm. if we could put it like that. But he but he certainly kind of, yeah, he, he carried himself well. And it, it was great to hear him after the series win talking about, well, firstly, I think he said it was his proudest moment. And, and you know, obviously he's, he's you know he's mature, doesn't he, as a person, a cricketer, but, you know, sort of eclipsing, like winning the World Cup mm. when he was maybe a bit younger in the team. But, yeah, kind of what he said about what this series could mean for test cricket in india and that, that his desire in this coming year as well and, and beyond this to to kind of put test cricket back back at the forefront you know want to engage the indian public in test cricket more than they've been mm. perhaps for a little while which given that obviously india is the kind of the capital of t20 cricket uh for us yeah as as test cricket fans as well that's yeah, encouraging
0: absolutely I, it it's it's absolutely brilliant news for for the likes of us Um, that he cares so much about test cricket because he is by miles the most famous cricketer in the world and the fact that yeah that he cares about it and is so outspoken about how much he cares about it you know and and you just like the the contrast in attitude and atmosphere in this indian team this indian tour of australia this time than the the previous two tours the Dhoni tours from from 2014 and, and 2011 it's, it just couldn't be much more pronounced. Like they they really wanted it this time, whereas on those Dhoni tours, it was all very apathetic a lot of the time. And and yeah, I mean at, at that point, you felt like India was sort of falling out of love with Test cricket, whereas now it suddenly feels again like it's the thing they care about most, and that is because of Kohli. And that's you know we 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 do criticize him sometimes on this show, or at least you know we, we we're not necessarily as uh, enamored of him as you know your Michael Vaughns are but he deserves a lot of credit for that or at least we we should be thankful to him for that i mean in terms of how they've done it like it it it's really there's there's two major things and there? there's two kind of major foundations that the win was built on superb performances from the seamers which we'll talk about and runs from chiteshwar Pajara. he scored 521 runs in seven innings with three centuries including 193 in that final test in Sydney and just seemed to be getting better as the series went on getting sort of getting more and more comfortable against the Australian bowlers the more he saw of them I mean that's that's Cook level isn't it those those sorts of numbers that's that's Cook in 2010-11 you know if obviously Cook played one more test in that series but we're talking about something quite extraordinary really.
2: Yeah Uh, and and, you know huge praise kind of rightly so just for the way he sort of badgered his way to the runs, you know, it's kind of, you know, dig in and, and accumulate, which, uh, you know, again, is, is fantastic. And, you know, what do you want to see in a, you know, we, we talked about our, you're going to bring right. it up in a bit, the, the post and 11s, but the sort of, you know, our ideal, you know, our ideal makeup of a, of a cricket team, you know, would have that balance between diggers and, 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 you know, and the sort of people who play with a bit more freedom. And yeah, for, for Pajara to do that, uh, to sort of pull off those kind of stats, and, and you know, and play play some nice stuff along the way as well.
0: Uh, yeah, quite rightly, quite rightly his his stock has uh, shot up. Yeah, well, he didn't get an IPL contract. I don't think like he's he's not going to be appearing in the IPL. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. I mean, yeah. So as as we've talked about a few times, uh, and as we have talked about a few times today already, uh, this is almost certainly the best fast bowling attack that India have ever had, and it's at the very least one of the best bowling fast bowling attacks in the world at the moment and that's that's the big difference really isn't it between this tour and previous tours as you say even that 2003 04 series when they had that phenomenal batting lineup that all-time great batting lineup the bowling attack wasn't quite there in the same way it's the big weapon that they didn't have in the past shami and sharma were both excellent but the star of the show was undoubtedly Jasprit Bumrah who took 21 wickets at 17 and as I mentioned 6 for 33 in Melbourne to engineer that win and, and it's in many ways the, the key moment of the series that wasn't it you know they the tide of the series turned at, at that uh, you know in that spell so i mean he he made his debut less than a year ago in south africa but already establishing himself as as one of the very best fast bowlers in the world he's he's a great bowler to watch isn't he just the way he got, he must be so awkward to face, the way he kind of ambles in and then has that really kind of weird windmill action. And yeah, seriously fast as well. The ball just kind of comes on at you, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I don't know, I've not faced it, but it looks as though the ball just kind of comes on at you.
2: That yeah, I, know, I, I suppose when he first kind of came into, into contention for India in the sort of you know, short forms of the game, you kind of thought like he was, he, he was that sort of awkward, slightly unorthodox yeah, like short-form specialists who would be who would be tricky, but perhaps wouldn't have the consistency to 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 do it at test level. But yeah, it seems to be absolutely thriving. And as you say, after just a year, his, his stats for the year are pretty remarkable. Mm. Uh, and it's it interesting, is it? You know, it, it, certainly this this fast bowling attack is in the upper echelons of fast bowling attacks in the. Uh, the extensive world of Test cricket, there mm. aren't that many other, but uh, <laughs> but it's, there does seem to be a lot of good bowlers, yeah. kind of coming along at the moment and around. You know, you, you, like Pakistan, we've spoken about Mohammed Abbas. Uh, you know, New Zealand, we might come on to in a bit as well. Uh, England's isn't too bad. You know, Australia's is pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. It's
0: it's a it's a tidy. South Africa's is probably the best. I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: pick your winner from that. No,
0: I mean, it's it, all of a sudden it feels like an outstanding era for fast bowling. Which seems to have happened quite quickly, Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, if you, if I asked you to pick your world eleven at the moment, we should probably go to a tea room to do this. But (laughs) um, if I asked you that, I think I'd be giving you a very hard task. Like, who would, if you could pick three or four fast bowlers from around the world at the moment, you know, you'd have to leave out some pretty good players, wouldn't you? Perhaps we should do that soon well I'm always up for going to the tea room as you know But <laughs> I don't think I could handle a uh, any Vic sponge right now it won't push me over the edge uh, but you know like Bumrah, Cummins, Anderson, Rabada, Mohamed Abbas, Trent, Bolt you know how do you get them all into the team? It'd be tough wouldn't it? Philander, Steyn's back in the picture now as well Sam Curran it's suddenly a really good era and that's another reason to be very cheerful about the future of Test cricket and yeah. you know I'm, I'm feeling more sort of positive about things that I was kind of 6, 9, 12 months ago. Probably the
2: top order batsman in the world would uh, disagree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, coming on to Australia, I mean, it, it's probably worth acknowledging, as much as India deserve huge amounts of cre- credit, it is probably worth acknowledging that they did get a little bit lucky, you'd have to say, in the sense that, well, firstly, they won three out of four tosses in this series and we spoke about the toss on the last show and how crucial, increasingly crucial, seemingly, is becoming. They won three out of four tosses, and the one game where they did lose the toss, they lost the game. They also got lucky in the sense that there was no test at the Gabba. There was no test scheduled in Brisbane, which is obviously like a fortress for Australia. And so previous Indian touring sides are probably quite jealous of the fact this India team didn't have to go and play at the Gabba. Uh, yeah, and then at the four grounds where they did play, it was probably some of the the flattest pitches that anyone can remember Seeing in Australia, certainly in Melbourne and in Sydney. I mean, that doesn't explain why Australia couldn't score any runs on them. And that, you know, perhaps gives more weight to the idea that this Indian fast bowling attack is, you know, world class and they deserve all the more credit for that. But it certainly helped India's batsmen as well. And the other big point is that Australia look like a fairly mediocre team at the moment. And that is a lot to do with the fact that they're missing their two best batsmen in Smith and Warner. And um, Tim Payne said, I think after. Melbourne, yeah, there's only so much we can do. Like if if you imagine that if Australia did have Smith and Warner and India didn't have Kohli and Pujara, you'd be looking at a very different series. And that you know that that might sound like sour grapes coming from Tim Payne, but it is true. I mean, there's pretty significant losses for Australia. If you applied the same thing to any other team, they would be struggling as well. I mean, so is that is that the key factor here? Do you think, or is that a, a big part of? Of what's going on. You know, when you think about how dominant Australia were in the ashes a year ago and how dramatically different their performance has been this series, is you know, is 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 a lot of that to do with Smith and Warner not being there?
2: Yeah, I mean yeah, certainly you can't take those two out and and improve the team. So yeah, I mean Tim Payne as captain is operating is behind the eight ball a bit. Mm. And you look at the squad they've named to face Sri Lanka, you know, it's chopped and changed. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk well, we will talk more, you know, going into the ashes, but they haven't got long to kind of get things sorted mm. for the ashes. Uh things if they have worked, they've only worked briefly and then they you know, it's you know, it's kind of fallen apart. They've you know, they've chopped the Marsh brothers, uh, you know, Finch and Hanscom have gone as well. Yeah, I mean they
0: they've just they just look delicate at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a big fan of the names theory of of cricket analysis, aren't you? And just some of the names in, in the <laughs> team for for the fourth test, in you know, Manus Labashain at number three, like it just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, I don't think, if you're an Australian fan. And yeah, I mean, but I mean, that being said, though, I say like there's a big difference between the performances of how they played in this series and how they played in the Ashes 12 months ago. The bowling attack was the same, yet the bowlers weren't anything like as incisive as they were during the Ashes, yes, perhaps it's because the pitches are flatter. Perhaps it's because India's batting lineup is much better than it, uh, England's is, and certainly was twelve months ago. But that doesn't explain it all necessarily. I mean, Pat Cummins obviously was brilliant. Pat Cummins was a colossus, really, with with ball and with bat as well. Had some great performance with the bat. Nathan Lyon did his job really well. I mean, we can talk if you like about how Nathan Lyon might be underrated, but he <laughs> um, no, he bowled well. But but yeah, certainly Stark and Hazelwood. Uh, were nowhere near as uh, penetrative as they were a year ago. They didn't manage to bowl India out even once in Melbourne or Sydney. There were three declarations in a row. So some people have raised the word "sandpaper" in this context, you know, in the sense that is there something in the fact that Australia Australia's bowlers were so devastating twelve months ago, and then the sandpaper incident happened, and now they aren't bowling as well. You know, does that suggest that perhaps? You know when they got caught with the sandpaper that wasn't the first time you know that was only the first time that they got caught, it wasn't necessarily the first time they'd been doing that and i mean in a way, I think it's kind of silly to talk silly thing to talk about and possibly a bit tedious, and I'm not normally like I'm not normally so cynical or so you know one for for conspiracy theories, and I don't want to you know point fingers at people without evidence. But that being said, but, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. And also, like, people like to pile in on the Aussies, don't they, and the fact that Australia lost this series. If you look on any article on the Guardian website or the BBC Sport website, all the comments are just talking about sandpaper. And people love it. Like, there's this real glee in the fact that Australia lost this series. And I'm just talking about from an English perspective, obviously, like, for England fans. There's a real glee about the fact that Australia lost this series, and they, they'd love to... they, they People... Love the idea that it's because they were cheating before and and now they can't get away with it anymore, and that's part of the reason I think why there was such a over the top reaction to what did happen in South Africa uh, because people love to to stick the boots into the Aussies. But all that being said, it does seem at least a little bit strange, coincidental. Yeah, coincidental. Exactly. That you know they did get reverse swing a year ago and now they're not really getting reverse swing. And you know, and I think also the other part of that is that in that infamous press conference that Smith and Bancroft game gave at the time, if you remember it, they were so matter-of-fact about it. They didn't seem to be... They didn't seem to understand the gravity of what happened. They were just like, yeah, you know, cop we were trying to change the condition of the ball to make it better for us, and we got caught, and that's it. And it, you did wonder at the time, does this actually hint towards the fact that they've been doing this for quite a while, and they've just got they caught? Kind of become, this, and that, yeah. sort of become, uh,
2: yeah, like, numb to mm-hmm. the be- significance yeah. of it, kind of, Yeah. At the time, questions were asked, weren't they? Yeah, about well, yeah. It, it seems unlikely that that's the first time it's been tried, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll well, we won't never know because I think we will know at some point. It yeah, will come probably out. Probably some
0: autobiographies yeah, at some point. But,
2: Yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting.
0: Yeah, and, and whether or not Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood knew or yeah. know that that whether they were involved if indeed it was happening. I mean, who. Who knows? We know nothing. They're just sort of
2: chucking down bombs and be like, "Wow!" Like surprising <laughs> yeah. themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, just well, as Matthew Hogarty say, you just run up and wang it down. <laughs> um, to an extent that, kind of is what bowling is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not saying that that is definitely the case, but it is. It's just it's interesting. It is interesting the fact that things do seem to be much more difficult for the Aussie bowlers now than they were.
2: And and you know for Australia. Yeah, yeah, they've got these these couple of tests against uh, against Sri Lanka coming up. Then it's the Ashes. It's not, and they're not without getting overconfident uh, as a as an English fan. I mean, it's going to be a blood. Well, it's going to be difficult conditions, difficult circumstances for for Australia to play in England this summer. (laughs) Yeah, the way the batting lineup is being chopped and changed, and, and and the way it looks it's not ideal i don't think they'll be hugely excited about the, prospects I of coming the fact over. that you
0: just said i don't want to get too overconfident and then use the word bloodbath
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but i mean i mean bloodbath well bloodbath in terms of the you know this the, the atmosphere is going to be to quote a you know a buzzword of the time
0: toxic isn't mm. well yeah and it's a, it's a remarkable turnaround from sort of six nine months ago like the the feeling of england fans and looking ahead to the ashes series you know Certainly, when England lost the Ashes at that point, it really felt like, yeah, this is going to be Australia's best chance for a very long time to win in England. They were probably favourites. Um, but suddenly now, it doesn't feel like that at all. And yeah, the the bowling is a problem. And they, yeah, they didn't bowl India out in the final two games. That is a concern. But you still feel like that they at least know who their best bowlers are. Um, the, the batting is the thing that's the real concern, isn't it? And yeah, as I say, the pitches were flat, but they were struggling to make 300 no one scored a century. No one averaged above, I think, 37 or 36 points something was the top average for any Australian batsman. You know, you just, you wonder where they go from here. I suppose the answer is they bring back Smith and Warner. That might not necessarily, although I say that is a, a huge factor. That's not going to solve all the problems, is it? Um, they've still got a lot of decisions to make. And
2: they've brought in the, the, the youngster, the not they, Pukowski? Uh, you know, he's been talked about sort of since he scored that Big knock in the in the uh the Sheffield Shield, uh but then had a kind of spell away. I think from cricket, you know, Smith and Warner come back in. This kid, you know, takes to, to test cricket like he's kind of taken to every other level he's played at. And suddenly, you know, suddenly they, they might have quite a decent batting mm, lineup.
0: Yeah, suddenly England England is staring at
2: a bloodbath. Exactly, who knows? <laughs> it could be just bloodbaths all around <laughs>
0: OK, well, let's, uh, let's move it on, Tone. Uh, this section of my notes is, is headed other stuff, uh, and the subheading is other test series. Uh, so let's talk about some other test series. There are a couple of other test series that have been going on around the world over the last few weeks. Sri Lanka have been in New Zealand. Those two sides coming into that series from very different angles, with New Zealand fresh from a historic victory in the UAE. And Sri Lanka picking themselves off the canvas after being whitewashed at home by England, it seemed fairly probable, therefore, that you know it was only going to go one way. But the first test, at least, didn't pan out as perhaps we might have expected. I went to bed on day one of that game, so I watched the the uh, opening exchanges. But when I went to bed, Sri Lanka were nine for three, and at that point, I was wondering if you know there might be some sort of record on the cards. Uh, but they recovered from there to post two eighty two. Uh, but New Zealand were never in danger of losing the game because they made 578 with Tom Latham carrying his bat for an astonishing 264. But Sri Lanka showed tremendous backbone to survive for 115 overs in their second innings, again slipping to 15 for three before Angelo Matthews and Kusal Mendes both ground out unbeaten hundreds, uh, aided by a bit of rain as well, but but getting their side uh, through and uh, yeah, escaping from Wellington with a draw. So... On to Christchurch for the, the second and final test. And when uh, Saranga Lakmal ran through New Zealand for 178 on day one, there was a genuine sense that an upset could be in the offing. But then it was the Trent Bolt show. Lovely Trenty uh, came steaming in. He took six wickets for four runs in 15 balls. R- incredible spell of bowling. Uh, to obliterate Sri Lanka for 104. And then Latham again and Henry Nichols struck centuries to set Sri Lanka a target what seemed to be a fairly excessive target of 660. Uh, just, you know, the idea that, you know, there was 620 ahead and Kane Williamson's like, no, we need a few more. Uh, and yeah, perhaps unsurprisingly, they didn't get all that close, eventually bowled out for 236. So that was a, a whopping margin of victory. It a was whopping whopping. It was a real whooping that, 423 runs. Uh, but yeah, nice little series that, some, <laughs> some, some Some memorable moments in there, especially that spell from Bolt. Um, it was uh, yeah, so entertaining cricket to watch. Yeah, uh, I mean, it always seems to be with New
2: Zealand, doesn't it? Mm. Not, yeah, they're they they've got a, they've got a tasty side, uh, and yeah, amazing stuff from Latham to to carry his bat from from opening uh, from opener yeah two sixty four, uh, and it then followed up with another big ton uh, in Christchurch. Uh, yeah, you know that, that's impressive stuff. And what where did New Zealand go next? They've got India, haven't they seen?
0: Well, yeah, New Zealand are, are quietly going about their business and becoming one of the, you know, you have to say becoming one of the best teams in the world. This is that's the fourth Test series they've won in a row. I mean, three of those at home, but obviously with the the win in the UAE as well, uh, and they've won six out of seven now. Uh, although five of those six again were at home, but nonetheless, I mean, it's uh, it, they're you know just building up a head of steam there. Bangladesh are touring in March. They have got some one day games against India before then, but um, but yeah, some. Uh, any, is, there any,
2: is there any good website with, like, rankings history?
0: <sighs> so they're
2: so only one point behind England, uh, New Zealand, in third in the test rankings. There, have they been second before?
0: I think they, yeah. Weren't they second around the kind of 2014, 2015, like the, the peak McCullum yeah. moment? They were threatening to become number one in the world for a little while. But yeah, they've, they've moved ahead of South Africa now. And we talk about great bowling attacks. That is definitely another one, isn't it? Bolt, Salvi and Wagner. It's really quite hard to say, you know, who's got the best fast bowlers in the world right now. It's bloody difficult, isn't it?
2: I, I, That's what we get paid that. the big bucks for, that, isn't it? <laughs> I, I still can't... hear I hear the name Wagner, I, I, all I can think of is the guy from the X Factor still. <laughs> uh, I just sort of picture him running into bowl and <laughs> taking sort of four for... Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, there we go. That's two coffee shop visits, World Eleven, and the current best bowling attack. My week's getting better and better. Yeah. Book it in.
0: I'm gonna have to get you an awful lot of <laughs> think. <though, Tony. laughs> yeah. Um, so Tea, sponge and gaviscon So the other. <laughs> that's your order, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other test series that's been going on lately is South Africa at home to Pakistan and this has perhaps been a slightly more disappointing series if only because I at least expected it to be reasonably competitive and it it hasn't been South Africa winning both tests so far by big margins there's been some enjoyable cricket though Dwayne Olafir with 16 wickets in two games again we're going to talk about another formidable fast bowling attack but yeah Olafir looking as though he's sort of ready to take on the Morné Malkin mantle like a a year ago, uh, when South Africa played Australia, they had Stain, Morkel, Rabada and Philander together as a quartet for the first time. And we were wondering at that point whether that might be the best fast bowling quartet since the kind of West Indian greats. Um, but it didn't last very long because Morkel retired. But actually, Olufier coming in looks as though he could um, take over from him. Big shoes to fill, quite literally. Uh, but Olufier... Has big feet as well, um, quite literally. And yeah, the return of, of Dale Steyn uh, is uh, pretty exciting after a few injury-ravaged years. And he broke Sean Pollock's record in the first test to become South Africa's leading wicket-taker. And it, yeah, I, I say injury-ravaged years. So Stain took his 400th test wicket in July 2015 and he broke the Sean Pollock record by taking his 422nd wicket. So it took him three and a half years to take 22 wickets. Um, and he's taken ten wickets in this series so far. I mean it's just it's great to see him back, isn't it? Test cricket is just better when Dale Stain's in it.
2: Yeah, I mean of all the, the sort of you know leading great fast bowlers of of kind of this of the of the last, you know, of the stain era. Yeah, the post uh, Stain era. You know, he's just the way he he kind of looks and that the you know, the way he runs through his action and his success, he's just like he's such a predator, isn't he? He's kind mm, of such a That's a good word. He's a he's a shark, he's kind of yeah, like he's sort of built to take wickets. It's, it's, there are other bowlers who. He's an eagle. He's yeah, a lion. Exactly. He's a yeah. There are other bowlers who have great success who are more. You know, it might be sort of more like a battering ram, or uh, yeah, Mitchell Johnson, more of like a sort of a wrecking ball. If I wanted
0: to use an analogy. Yeah, he's a Miley uh, Cyrus song.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Stains a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Uh, yeah, more
0: like what would Jasper Bumrah be? He'd be like a sort of a poison dart. Yeah. You're, full, you're very colourful today. too. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> that indigestion is really, uh, <laughs> really helping your. Uh, maybe I should have big slabs of turkey before every pod. Your girlfriend would be delighted <laughs> if that were to be the case. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's just an, a genuine all-time great. Stain. We, we, you know, we're talking today about the uh, the great bowling attacks around the world, but but Stain is undoubtedly the one that will be remembered as an all-time great. I mean, I, I was actually looking today because. I apparently have nothing better to do at uh, the bowlers with the best strike rates in test history. And Stain just stands out by a mile. So Stain has the sixth best strike rate ever, uh, 41.9. So for the uninitiated, that, that means he takes a wicket every 41.9 balls. And is that for what's the qualification? How many wickets? Well, there isn't one. So he's, he's got the sixth best ever. But the five above him, have, none of them have played anywhere near the number of games that he had. So, so, not, so number one is George Lohman, uh, who played in the 1880s and 1890s, but he only played 18 games, 112 wickets. Rabada is above him, Shane Bond, but I mean, th- th- we're talking about players there that have played 34 and 18 games respectively. So Stain played 90 matches. So apart from Wakai Yunus, who's the only one who's even on the same planet, 43.4, you have to go a long way down to find Malcolm Marshall for anyone who's played more than 50. Uh, and yeah, the other bowlers that you'd consider to be all time greats, you know, your McGraths, your Walshes, your Lilies, I mean, they're just nowhere to be seen on this list. Uh, Stain is just miles ahead of anybody apart from Wakar Units. Stain, <laughs> Stain and Wakar are miles ahead of anybody, uh, which is, is probably slightly underappreciated, I think. But, but that, yeah, that is, that, that's the marker of, yeah. of, of deadliness. It, it kind of is. Like, yeah. In some ways, that should be what bowlers are judged on. They should be judged, I suppose, on a combination of things. But in some ways, it's the most important. Here's something we haven't talked about. There's a new knight of the realm. We must all bend the knee to one Sir Alistair Cook, former England captain, received a knighthood in the New Year's honours list. I have a feeling that you might have an opinion about this.
2: Yeah, it's a nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> That's, <well left. laughs> That's a, a quick opinion. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, that, and there's no disputing... A that Alistair Cook is an England legend. He's a brilliant batsman. He was a great captain. You know, he was a good captain. He seems like a great bloke. He, you know, he, he sort of carried himself brilliantly throughout his his uh, England career. But I just don't get the point. I, I mean, yeah, we could talk about the honors system in in the UK at mm. great length, but I just don't really get the point of giving someone who's still playing cricket and has only just retired a couple years ago a knighthood wait till he's like 60 i don't i don't really yeah i don't get the point
0: yeah oh i certainly agree that don't do it now no it's way too soon but don't do it at all
2: well (sighs) that i mean arguably don't do it at all because yeah every year it's like oh you know this comedian that this will be the headline it's like so and so comedian sports person an actor has received a knighthood for services to being paid fantastically well to to do
0: the job that they love yeah uh, well michael palin was knighted this year for services to travel culture and geography
2: yeah services to going on holiday yeah. basically <laughs> no, yeah. services to
0: holidays i mean what a lot of nonsense <laughs> services to resort services to worldwide resorts i mean he makes good programs i enjoy the programs he seems like a lovely bloke as well but yeah and it, it's not just because
2: when we're picking up our mbes for services to podcasting oh yeah you know, we will be alluding it about but i don't, I don't know and you know no it's no disputing the contribution the uh you know the dedication the legacy of any of the people that are, are sort of presented with these things but i yeah it's just it's just a baffling there's no there's no like qualification for it there's no like yeah it's, all the language that's yeah. used
0: around it is uh there's no clear criteria no, exactly. for what constitutes you know, being deserving of knighthood. And also like they have to, or they feel that they have to give out a certain yeah. number of these every year. So, so like firstly, I'm not gonna call him Sir Alistair. Like I just <laughs> I, I just think I just think the older I get, the more I think the whole honour system is ridiculous. Like if you want to give people some kind of gongs, even like MBEs and stuff, that it's just like an acknowledgement. That's fine, but I ref- I just refuse to call people sir. So, like the deference that we're now supposed to have <laughs> is absolutely absurd. I mean, the only the only yeah, Sir and Bell is the only <laughs> you know true. Uh, and rightful you know, bearer of that mm. title, I'd probably call him Sir Paul Collingwood. Actually, <laughs> yeah. if he got, nice. I mean,
2: I mean, we should be in charge of cricketing honors, shouldn't we, <laughs> Sir Dominic Cork?
0: <laughs> but also Sir Graham Hick. I think that would be, yeah. It. But um, but also, yeah, I think that we've talked about this off air, but like the, the idea that everything that alistair cook achieved in his career was in some way just like a qualification process this is kind of the way that people talk about knighthoods it's a weird comparison but it's a bit like sports personality of the year the way people talk about that is like that everything that sports people do is just like an attempt to put themselves in the frame for sports personality and like alistair cook has already had a lot of recognition within his profession for what he's achieved the knighthood is it's just kind of Nonsense, isn't it? It Just is to go back to your friendly. way.
2: I mean, in there was, uh, we looked at the full list that someone got knighted for services to financial services, <laughs> which is nuts. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, so Surrey in them. but he was knighted when he was considerably, you know, many years after he retired for cricket and predominantly for his charitable, uh, charitable work. Well, it was that was what it was what for, it was services for, charity, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and when you look actually at the list of n- cricketing knights, Sir George Oswald Browning, Gubby Allen who's knighted for services to cricket, uh, Sir Alec Bedzer, Mm -hmm. Sir John Cardus, the Lord Cowdery of Tunbridge, Sir Jack Hobbs, Sir Len Hutton, Sir Francis Lacey, Sir Henry Shrimp Leveson-Gower, Sir Frederick Toon, if that's how you say it, uh, and Sir Pelham Plum Warner, and then Sir Alistair Kirk. Yeah, it just... If 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 you're getting a knighthood for if you're going to be knighted for doing your job, mm. then you know there's 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 sort of 35 million knights of the
0: realm. Yeah, well, you had a, a good uh, idea about that. I mean, I, I think like in the in the specific case of Kurt. I mean, you've named some some you've named the cricketing knights there. Several of them I've never heard of. You know, even though I like cricket enough that I do a podcast about it. Um, but in terms of like modern cricketers, because a few people have been upset by the fact that Cook's been given a knighthood because they don't really, you know, they think Cook's overrated anyway. But I do think, you know, if you're going to give sports people knighthoods and if if cricketers are uh, eligible to, to get knighthoods, you know, there's a decent case that he deserves one. Not yet, you know, wait a few years because he's still actually playing cricket at the moment. Um, but, you know, he is, as we've talked about, he is probably England's best batsman of the last few decades I can't think of too many English cricketers who deserve one more than Cook, but didn't get one. You know, maybe Flintoff, Gooch, and Gower. I suppose would be up there, but you know, there, there's there's not many who you'd say, well, he was clearly a better player than Cook. So I don't mind that, but although it is kind of, it's more grist to the mill for the idea that he was always Great expression. He was like that. He was always an establishment man. You know, this idea that. Alistair Cook, you know, has the right sort of family was a a quote from Paul Downton, I think, quite a few years ago, you know, that, you know, it doesn't help with that perception. But yeah, I mean, I think if if you're going to give out this nonsense, Cook probably deserves it as much if not more than than anyone. But I think you actually had quite a good idea, which is that if you're going to keep the honours system, there's a very good case for excluding all sports people from it and actually excluding just making it. You can't win one for something that you've already been paid to do or you've already been rewarded for. So it, can, it should only be for charity work or voluntary work or something that is you're kind of going above and beyond your what you're expected to do. I, I, yeah, I th- that's yeah. your idea, Tony, But I thought it, I thought it was quite a good one. So if her madge is listening, <laughs> uh, which I know she, I know she's a big fan. She listens in the shower. Um, then yeah, that's something to think about
2: it's not to belittle the achievements of anyone who's ever received a knighthood or or you know or you know certainly to rule ourselves out of it <laughs> uh but yeah but you know you look at Elton so, John will have you? there are a few mbes and and sort of cbes or a couple of mbes and new york's on as this for the, for people in the channel lines that the president of the uh the guernsey rugby club uh was given an mbe for, for services to rugby but you know someone who's put in like countless hours uh of, you know unpaid work to to build up a club and to run a club and to develop kind of young players and bring them into the game and you know the reaction to that was just uh you know from from him himself was you know predictably sort of modest but uh from for you know it hundreds and hundreds of people being saying like you know well done you know richly deserved kind of great honor and that and that you know that that actually means something mm. anyway we've probably been talking about this too long we've probably ruled ourselves out of, <laughs> of, of uh of ever receiving that kind
0: of Distinction, mm, yeah, we should be careful since we know that Hamad is such a a big cricket show fan. But um, you know, we still love what you do, Queenie. Uh, I thought we could end tone with a post Atherton update. Uh, listeners may have heard the bonus episode of the podcast that came out on Christmas Day, where we went to a tea room, ate a scone and some Victoria sponge, and selected our post Atherton World Eleven, our World Eleven from. 1993 to 2018. It was a fun afternoon, that, wasn't it? What fun, I said to you at the time. It was good. So to recap our team, for anyone who hasn't heard that, uh, we had Cook, Savag, Sangakara, Tendulkar, Lara, Shakib Al-Hassan, it was a controversial one, Gilchrist, Warren, Wakar, Ambrose and McGrath. Now, listeners have been getting in touch with us, Tony, to give us their team and i thought i might share a few of those teams with you because there have been some really interesting ones people seem to like your selection criteria which was uh, you uh, gave yourself a rule that you had to pick one player from each of the 10 test nations
2: yeah some other people did it better than me yes
0: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a few that have come in using that criteria and they've actually just picked better teams than you so this one from peter carr he said if we're including a player for each test nation how about this Graham Smith, Savag, Sangakara, Williamson, Andy Flower, Shakib, Gilchrist, Warren, Wasim, Ambrose, Anderson. I just thought that was a better team than yours. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's a different team. <laughs> is it
2: better? I don't know. I suppose, I mean, really, we should be picking, you know, we should be including one each from Afghanistan and uh, Ireland. But in the true spirit of the post-Athelan era, I think it's,
0: it's a bit too soon. This is a good one from David Terrace. He says this is a nostalgic cult hero eleven. So he had Navjot Singh Sidhu, Marvin Atapatu, Robin Smith, Carl Hooper, Daryl Cullinan, Arjuna Ranatunga, Lee German, Mashrafi Mortaza, Stuart McGill, Henry Alonga, and Atta' Rahman. Uh, so I enjoyed that one too, because that, that would be that would be a cracking I'd love to see that. T- I'd pay to watch that team play. That's a cracking lineup, that. Uh similarly, uh, this one from Stephen Holmes, he described this as an all-time favourite, quote-unquote, other eleven: Tammy Mikbal, Shaiman Anwar, Steve Ticcolo, Ryan Tenderscarter, Andy Flower, Al Hassan, Tatenda Taibu, Rashid Khan, Gavin Hamilton, Shapur Zadran and Henry Alonga. So yeah, that's obviously uh, Associates and Zimbabwe and Bangladesh. And yeah, that's, uh, that's quite an exciting team as well. That would actually be quite a good team to say it's a uh yeah, it's a sort of non major nation team. That that would actually be quite formidable.
2: Yeah, with all those players kind of at their peak, Ticcolo is particularly a legend, I think.
0: Well, yeah, was ne- someone else had Ticolo in their team. Uh Robbie Kingston, he p- he said, I'm going one better than Tony and picking eleven from eleven different nations. Cook, Savai, Williamson, Flower, Shakib, Ticcolo, Gilchrist, Ambrose, Wakar, Stain, Muritherin. Yeah, Ticolo would be one of my favourite cricketers ever, I think. Just what a legend! Uh, he was a, a, like classic fantasy World Cup yeah. player. <laughs> yeah, and everyone thought they were being really clever but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. by picking Ticolo, But yeah, what a legend! So anyway, yeah, a few others came in. But so thanks, thanks to people for sending those in because I enjoyed reading all of them. Uh, and yeah, we we enjoyed it. It was ever so much fun. So we might even we'll do, do it again, again soon. Yeah, well, I'm not. Yeah, we won't do exactly that. <laughs> I, mean, I can't rule it out. <laughs>
2: But, we'll probably forget we've done it. Well, <laughs> do it again.
0: I think we actually—I've discovered that we actually have done that before. I think we, yeah, on our 200th episode, apparently we did pick a post others in World Eleven and picked a different team. <laughs> uh, so yeah, <laughs> what well,
2: times changed then?
0: Definitely it? can't rule out uh, that we will do exactly that again. But yeah, we'll do some other some other bonus episodes like that in the future where we uh, where we do things like that, pick some other teams and stuff. 2019, a big year for the podcast. <laughs> All right, well, we need to wrap this up. Have you enjoyed this one, Tone? Uh, yeah, it's been good. I've got two things
2: to add. Go on. One, uh, you know, Ashley Giles is just, I think was, he's been speaking to the media today mm-hmm. about his role uh, as new director of cricket yeah. for England. Uh, just maybe me smile on the Crick info website at the moment. They've got, there's two headlines they've sort of taken from uh, from Giles one is Giles open to splitting England coaching roles again <laughs> and then the yeah. second one is we may see less warm-up football in future Giles <laughs> which is brilliant uh, so those are both good and also I watched the uh, the press conference uh, that that Coley and Ravi Shastri gave after the the, the mm. test series win but it was just a lot sh- Ravi Shastri had a great line which just talking about kind of the keys to their success and the the, the fact they sort of Sat down after the South Africa series or before it, and we're like, "This is what we want to achieve, and we're going to map it up." But he, he just said, "Yeah, we were committed, and it jolly well made a bloody difference." <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a great sentence.
0: <laughs> that is good. Yeah, yeah that was quite uh, quite interesting. That press conference, wasn't it, Kohli Shastri press? Yeah. Conference. Well, I've jolly well had a, a bloody time uh, on the podcast this week. Uh, we're going to be back soon. We need to preview England's tour of the Caribbean, Tone, which is uh, coming up. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it gets underway sooner than you might expect. And we need to preview our, our own tour of the Caribbean. Well, yeah, we are going. Listeners will be, well, we are pleased to be
2: going anyway, but listeners will be pleased that we won't be watching that and going, we should have gone. Yeah,
0: finally, we yeah. are actually going.
2: For the first time in quite a few years, we're actually we're, we're whisking ourselves away to watch some cricket.
0: I'm quite excited about it, Tone.
2: Yeah, so what we're going to go. We're going to the Saint Lucia Test match, the uh, the third, third test, test, the dead rubber. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, two ODIs in Barbados. It sounds
0: pretty good, doesn't it?
2: It sounds good from here. Yeah, yeah.
0: we should have gone. Oh, we are going. <laughs> yeah, so so we need to preview both the series and our holiday. I mean, should we should we describe it as a holiday? It's more of a you know, it's a a working holiday, isn't it? So we you got t- your visa. You're working. <laughs> visa. We're gonna take the podcast equipment with us so we'll be uh, yeah we'll be doing some some podcasts from the scene i thought you were gonna say from the sea which we may well, well yeah did. that's also yeah. a possibility uh, but yeah that we've never done that before uh, so i'm looking forward to that as well exciting so times 2019 is gonna be a very big year it's the year of the podcast for the podcast so yeah so we'll be back soon with a preview of that series between now and then if you enjoy the world cricket show there's a number of ways you can get more involved we're on social media we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter at Cricket Show. We're on Instagram at cricket Show. You can send us an email, cricket show at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can support us with your cash at patreon.com slash cricket show. And we are enormously grateful to everyone who does who does support us there. Uh and the other way is just by leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes. That is Really great because it does uh, help to to bring us to more and more people and, and bring more listeners to the show. So uh, a big, big thank you to everyone who has done that. And the only other thing to say is that we do have another podcast. The Little Film Podcast is a podcast about films, as you might imagine. And there's a new episode of that out this week, which you hosted, Tone. <laughs> you finally got your big break hosted is a loose word
2: <laughs> i sort of just looked at you for guidance for much, much of it i just yeah. sat there nodding and giving you a
0: thumbs yeah, up yeah it was like ofsted we're in <laughs> it made yeah. me very nervous no yeah, you did a yeah. you did a, a half decent job cheers well that's it i think is anything else you want to say did you have a good christmas i didn't ask you that yeah very nice thanks yeah yeah very good did you get all your shopping done you were panicking a bit about how much time you had left to uh, yeah in a way to to buy gifts in a way yeah you said to me that you you said to me in like november that you had it all under control well the
2: thing is i'd ordered one thing online in november and it sort of lulled me into thinking that i was like way ahead i was like i'm brilliant i've (laughs) i've I've ordered one thing that's gonna arrive in time yeah and i just sort of sat back on my laurels then christmas is in the back (laughs) yeah exactly uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, got there, got it over the line. Yeah, got
0: Christmas over the line, and then just ate a lot of yeah turkey. Still and, going? <laughs> well, yeah, you literally are still going. Actually, been you managed to keep it fairly uh, off mic, but you've been eating another turkey all the way through this podcast. So I'm going to leave you to that and to your frozen Kit Kat and Yazzie that will no doubt follow it. And all that's left for me to say is stay in school, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Tane Cherry. Bye bye for now. <laughs>
2: can smell your fear ba da